Mundane Mystic is a podcast chronicling the adventures, both mundane and magical, of a suburban witch. That's me, your hostess, Jenna Fox. Five days before my biological mother died this summer, I was having a conversation with an Instagram friend about the idea of inviting goddess energy into my life. So my friend had been um, working with the goddess Aphrodite kind of after her husband had been doing some work with deities. And it really made me think about this concept of kind of the different energies that we can bring into our lives um, or pay attention to that might already be there. So I was having this conversation with her about, you know, goddesses, and I was like, wow, you know, it's really interesting. I'm curious, like, if I were to um, work with a goddess or even think about, you know, goddess energy, like, what goddess would I um, want to kind of invite into my life? And part of me, the the part of me that had kind of come out of evangelical Christianity was nervous about even the idea of entertaining that there are gods and goddesses outside of the Christian God that I was raised to believe in. Um, and that then what happens when you invite that energy into your life to work um, in your life usually means, at least from my understanding, my upbringing, is that certain sacrifices, certain things have to be done, certain ways of being have to be um, encouraged in order to continue that relationship. So that was something that I was like a little bit nervous about. So that night after having this conversation about like, oh, would I, would I want to work with Freya? I have a tattoo to Freya. Like would I pick um, a different goddess? How would I feel about cultural appropriation? Like do you do goddesses outside of your tradition? And then would a Greek, would are Greek goddesses okay to use? Even though I don't, I'm not a Greek descendant. Do I need to pick Norse? Should I be researching? Right. I go down this rabbit trail of all of these different like thoughts and ideas and I was laying in bed that night as I was falling asleep and I had this really powerful um, just sensation of love associated with the color blue. And it was kind of like a rich, um, it wasn't a sky blue and it wasn't like a deep like navy, but it was just, I don't know how to describe, I, I felt the color blue. And oftentimes my visions or my experiences with spirituality happen in this liminal space of either falling asleep or waking up. And I fell asleep and I just, I had this, um, this beautiful, just like sense of peace and love and being held. And when I woke up the next morning, I actually reached out to uh, my friend and I was like, Duh, if I was going to be working with a goddess energy, and now I would say that she probably would balk at being called a goddess, um, and yet that is certainly how she works um, in people's lives, it would be Mother Mary or the Virgin Mary or um, the Queen of Heaven or however there's uh, Jesus's Mother Mary has so many different um, names and 
um, different facets um, from around the world of people who kind of venerate her, um, petition to her, kind of have her as one of the people in their, um, you know, or goddesses in their kind of um, their worship practice or their spirituality. And so I had woken up the next morning and I was just, I had this conversation with my friend and, and it just, it felt so right for me to pay attention to Mary. And as I was thinking about that, I was like, it's so interesting that it took my conscious mind, this experience to actually welcome in the Mary energy, which has always or already been there. Um, I had been in the the few months prior, I had been at a secondhand shop and I picked up this really beautiful, I, it looks, it looks from a distance like porcelain. Um, it's some type of like, I don't know, resin or some statue, um, cast in white of Mary holding, um, like a, probably like a toddler Jesus. And she has a crown on her head and her eyes are closed. And she has like, it looks like, um, like an apple or a pomegranate in her hand. And it's really just this beautiful, um, statue that I picked up for a couple of dollars. I had just felt super, super attracted to it. And I realized as I kind of looked around my home that I had other things. I had a candle that I had picked up, um, that had Mary on it. Um, two candles, actually one like really tall, um, beautifully ornate one that was only a couple of dollars and it had clearly been like lovingly carved. And so I was like, okay, I, this is something that is happening. I'm, I was like, suddenly all of the pieces sort of clicked into place. Like when you, when you realize the, where the puzzle piece goes, right. Or just, it's just like, oh, everything just clicked into place. And I was like, wow, mother Mary energy, right. This is, this is a this is a deity. This is a a person. This is an energy that I can call on or just imagine, um, and has constantly been here. So, it what it does is when I have these new revelations about myself or experiences, spiritual experiences, either visions or dreams or feelings or or knowings or imaginings, even. I have this little bit of like in, in a movie scene or when they talk about when you have like a near-death experience where like your life flashes before your eyes. I had this experience where I kind of go back through my entire life and look for evidence of this energy or evidence of this experience. And it took me all the way back to when I was in college. And I was uh, probably 19, between like 19 and 20-ish when I started attending a Catholic church. I had made friends in my dorm. Um, there were some Catholic um, student ministry students who lived in like a house like off campus and then there were um students that they were working with and they had like nightly prayer nights in different dorms and so I started to attend these prayer nights and they were um ecumenical and so anyone was um available to come and I became really close with the Catholic house and made a lot of really good friends to the point where 
I mean, I was really involved in the evangelical um, ministry. Like I was an intern for my church and I kind of helped lead prayer nights and other things. And so I was really into sort of that like rock and roll Christianity. And at the same time, I felt really, really drawn to the liturgical, the way that the Catholic church um, the mass that I would go to. So in the mornings on Sunday mornings, I would go to my rock and roll, like Sunday morning service at the, you know, non-denominational church. And then in the evenings I would attend, um, mass with, with my Catholic friends. And we would either do it, um, on campus or sometimes we would go to like one of the local Catholic churches. And so I I loved it so much. There was something so freeing about the ritual, about knowing when to kneel and when to stand and the way that we would recite the prayers and the smell of incense. And just there was something really like three dimensional and sensory that that happened in the Catholic Church that I would go to that I was about five minutes away from converting <laughs> to Catholicism, which is interesting because I had had a conversion experience at 18. And that's why I became um, like really uh, a part of the non-denominational faith. Um, and, and so the fact that I was like really feeling um, emotionally um, invested and um, I attended a retreats and you know, did confession and, and everything. Um, and was like really, really thinking about becoming Catholic. And, and there was a couple of things that just like, I just couldn't wrap my mind around. And I think it's around, um, the authority of the church and the authority of sort of the, um, male patriarchal hierarchy that I felt that I could somehow, even in non-denominational Christianity, that I could somehow feel a little bit less, um, oppressed by, and so that was really my first um, experience with Mary was being in relationship with friends and in a church community where Mary was seen as somebody who was important because in so many ways, um, the, the Christian circles that I had grown up in, um, Mary was simply just a vessel for um, the Savior to be born and that she was really not considered to be special. There was kind of this narrative that any old buddy could have done it. It just so happened to be Mary. She answered the call and bloop, kind of like I always got this feeling that it was kind of like an assembly line and it just so happened that she was next up to be, you know, blessed with this. And, um, and the Catholic church, you know, and the, and the Catholics that I knew just had this different experience of her and she was just so, it felt loving and tender and relatable. And so that was really my first um, experience with um, Mary. And then when I was pregnant, now I know that um, if you look at the actual his history, historical, if, we're, if you're thinking of Jesus as a historical figure, he was not born on December 25th. Um, however, what I really love about the Advent time and the way that there's the darkness and sort of the metaphor of the sun coming, um, you know, the actual return of the literal sun, this <laughs> big ball of gas in the sky, right. That like lights up our lives. Um, and this sun, the savior of the world, the light light bringer happening in the dark time of the year, the solstice time of the year. Um, I was pregnant and I actually gave birth five days before Christmas. And so it was it was when I was pregnant, when I was feeling all of these um, 
loving and getting scared out of my mind because I never thought I would ever be a mom, let alone give birth to my own child. And so I was pregnant and I was going through Advent the last couple of weeks of my pregnancy feeling like I could so relate to Mary in the waiting. I remember singing these songs about waiting and all of the sermons were about waiting, waiting, waiting. And that's what I felt like in the last couple of weeks of my pregnancy. And then just the intensity, the flooding of emotion and love and just wanting to have uh, my child protected forever. I mean, I just remember sobbing when I would hear the song, Mary, did you know? And and then, you know, a few years later, uh, this this beautiful group of, they were probably 14, maybe 15-year-olds sang um, Breath of Heaven, another um, song, you know, uh, that has Mary as the focus. And, and I was just thinking about this young mother who gave birth and who loved her child and her child grew up to do these amazing things. And so... So for five days this summer, I was having this reflectiveness. I um, purchased a um, a lithograph of um, La Virgen de Guadalupe, which is just this beautiful. It's it's not the full image of her, but it's just like her face and her hands in the prayer position, and it's just this beautiful image of the Virgin Mary, the Virgin of Guadalupe appearing and um, I lit my candles and I decided I was just going to really actually spend time with this energy that I feel like was already around me, right? That That I had been calling it in, that I'd been paying attention to it, but not in a conscious, like I'm going to actively talk to a goddess. And so I had read somewhere that um, roses were something um, that Virgin Mary tended to um, really appreciate. And so I started to actively incorporate um, flowers onto the altar and light the candles. And in addition to lighting candles for my ancestors, grandmother and Nona, including um, Mary in that experience. And so for five days I did this right and just felt this love there was it's it's hard to it's hard to talk about and accurately give um you know the information to you i just felt it that that blue color um which i learned later that um the blue is associated with the mantle that that mary wears and i think that there's actual like color theory behind it um but i just kept feeling the color blue and feeling this warm um, and just nurturing love and compassion. And then I got a text message that my biological mom had died at 53 years old the day before her 54th birthday. And it wasn't a terrible surprise because um, a few months ago we had been um, kind of, I had been informed that she had um lung cancer or probably lung cancer. And I didn't get all of the details of the diagnosis, but I was pretty sure that this was, was going to be an inevitable fate. And yet at the same time, it brings up, you know, clearly (laughs) emotions, right? And so I have been having sort of the conflicted emotions of, in some ways, 
my biological mom dying is an accurate representation of what our relationship already was. And so part of me feels relief because there's no need for me to um, pretend or to try to explain um, the complicated nuance of trying to be in relationship with somebody who had drug and alcohol um, abuse over the years. She'd been sober for the last couple of years, but really the, t- the time um, that she had been using substances had really taken a toll on her brain. Um, and as well as I think the trauma of being a, a teen mom and having relinquished me um, for adoption had impacted her as well. And so with her death, I'm freed from the responsibility of trying to figure out how to um, foster, create, you know, a relationship with somebody who's really was really challenging to have a relationship with, um, probably for both of us. But then the conflicted feeling of I don't now have the option right? There was always the sort of, well, maybe in the future she'll be in a place where we can have conversations or maybe this or maybe that. And now that is taken away. It just is, right? And so what was really, really sweet for me was feeling like I had this love from a teenage mother who had given birth, you know, centuries before, who had given birth to arguably a very important person, um, spiritually in the world. Um, and that she's still here, this, this Virgin Mary, queen of heaven, mother Mary, the, all of the different names. Um, I like looked and there was like hundreds of different titles that she can have. Um, I think of her as mother Mary, um, that I had this and that I'd always had this for the, as long as I could remember, I've had this like unconditional love of a teenage mother who can provide for me just this sense of peacefulness and knowing and um, being held in times of difficulty. And so, you know, of course, I threw on the Beatles, uh, let it be, which I understand is not actually about Mother Mary and it's about their actual mother, Mary. Um, but I just I just have been feeling this like sweetness and I'm so grateful for my friend and for people that I've met through the internet and through other um, spaces being so willing to share their own spiritual journeys because if my friend had not been talking about how she was stretching herself to kind of engage with this um, goddess energy, I might not have um, actively been seeking my own experience or actively been um, able to pay attention to what was already there. And so I think that this is what the beautiful aspect of community is, is like being able to share and then sit back and be like, hmm, okay, so somebody's doing their practice in this way. What are some things that I could be doing? Or is this something that I feel called to to try or to think about? Because just I think that state of openness that I was feeling and that and that curiosity let all of this beautiful love and compassion and wisdom and being held and sort of that it like laid this foundation for me to be able to handle the grief um, of actually physically losing my biological mom. So I just thought I would share that with you. 
um, as you're all on your own, you know, spiritual journeys of staying open and staying curious and staying in community and sharing with other people because you never know what sharing your experience um, and asking questions might do for somebody else who's on their journey. So I wish you all well and would love to hear any um, similar stories or feedback or experiences that you've had with either Mother Mary or any of her iterations or, of course, any other experiences that you've had with other deities. <laughs>